Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast. I'm Laura Hyman, the creator of Movement by Laura. I'm a physical therapist, a yoga teacher, and studio owner, and movement enthusiast. Today, I'm very excited to have this podcast about buoyancy, and it's also my birthday. So I think there could be no greater wish for me than to be as buoyant as possible today and for many years to come. And my birthday wish for all of you is that you also feel a sense of buoyancy in your life. So enjoy this podcast and I'm thrilled to share it with you on this special day of mine. Buoyancy is an interesting concept. It's I feel like buoyancy is kind of like an um, um, onomatopoeia. It's like when you say it, you feel it, you know, like, and you're like, wow, it's like buoyancy. It's this uh, beautiful concept of, of lightness. And it's a wonderful term that we need to kind of cultivate not only in our life, but in our yoga practice as well, this anatomy of buoyancy. And so I'll talk about two different um, aspects of it, both on the mat and off of the mat. But first, as always, I like to think of what buoyancy, what a word means. I love words. So buoyancy is the power to float or rise in a fluid relative lightness. It's also the power of supporting a body so that it floats upward. Pressure is exerted by the fluid in which a body is immersed. It also is lightness or resilience of spirit. And I really liked this version it's, um, or this definition cheerfulness. And these are all concepts that we can embody in our body, but also in our spirit, right? This sense of lightness, this sense of resilience and and spring and elasticity. And you know, um, if you've ever been in the water, which I, I think most people have, you have this feeling of this buoyant effect. So, and the, and going into the water, it, it, unloads you in a sense. You become both weightless and and almost ageless because when we remember the feeling as a kid, it's the same as an adult. You know, that changes. I Many other things change as we 
uh, get older, like if we were running as a kid and then running as an adult, it, it does feel different. Our, our joints have um, done it many more times and our tissues have adapted. But when you get in the water, you're ageless. You could be a baby in the water. You could be a, a much older person in the water because of the buoyancy of the water, how it supports you. It supports our joints. In physical therapy, we get a lot of people to try and do water exercises when they have any kind of arthritis or pain with movement because the, the water supports you in, in such this, this glorious way. And I think from a physical but also spiritual aspect, we when we are in water, we return to our birth body, you know, this um, from this uterus swimming pool that we used to be in. So it, in a lot of ways, our kind of endeavor is to return to the birth body, but but also that that um, the innocence of birth. We always talk about in yoga that we have everything we need. You know, we are we are essentially uh, this beautiful essence, and and life happens to us, and hardening happens to us, and we adapt in in good and bad ways to different situations, different environment, different movement patterns. But if we can understand that it is actually returning to this birth body, to this this essential essence of who we are that will make things much lighter and and that as, that word cheerful. And so how how do we regain this buoyancy, both physically and emotionally? I, I think if we understand that it is a a great state of being and that is the ultimate state of being, then we would really want to return to it and regain it. And this is the endeavor we're essentially practicing when we practice yoga is returning to that core being, reclaiming this um, this balance and, and expressing this in how we move and how we live. So I think, first of all, in the body, let's talk about that first, because I always say the body movement patterns and, and the body work that we do is the easiest, most successful gateway to changing how we feel both physically and emotionally. And if if we can return to a more balanced body, we will feel more buoyant. So let's talk about the body. The body in itself is over 70% water, which is crazy to think about because we never look at ourselves and think there's fluid moving around when you just look at somebody's skin and and their smiles and everything like that. But 70% of our body is water. So how about getting buoyant through this natural system of hydration in the body? Well, the fascia really does that. The fascia is, and I'll talk more about the fascia for sure in this uh, and on other episodes, but the fascia is essentially material in the body that connects the body to each other, to itself. Different parts of the body to itself can wrap around muscles. It connects muscles to bone. It wraps around bone. It wraps around organs. It's twisting and turning and wrapping and connecting everything, everything. It is this amazing material of connection. It's also material of conversation. It is expressing and communicating things that are happening in the body, whether or not we know it. And a lot of times we don't, if we don't tune into that, it is expressing that. And so it expresses when we feel buoyant, when it's fully hydrated, because this material 
is collagen and elastin and also water. So there's water molecules that are within the collagen and elastin. So the collagen and elastin give it the building blocks for, for connection and for movement. But the water gives it the buoyancy that we need. So when you feel like you get out of bed in the morning and you feel really kind of stuck, like you have to oh, literally kind of uncork yourself from this more rounded position, or if you've been in a chair for nine hours, your fascia has lost some of that buoyancy, that hydration. And, and you feel it. You just feel like everything is kind of stuck and hardened. And you certainly don't feel light. You certainly don't feel like that, that sense of cheerfulness or lightness. So when we get into movement in the fascia, we will get more buoyant just by getting more hydrated. And there's, there's definitely ways of doing that. One is that you just need to move. All right. So movement in and of itself is going to hydrate you in many ways, not just the the fascia, but it will hydrate the synovial fluid, which kind of bathes the joints, the big moving joints of our body. So it's crucial that if you're sitting for a long period of time, you need to get up. Sitting in and itself is not a bad thing. It, it has been likened to being like smoking and, and detrimental to your health. So yes, it is not great for you, but it's the, not so much the sitting, but for how long you're doing it. And that if you don't change positions and you don't move and mobilize those tissues and hydrate the fascia through the movement, then that's when it becomes a problem because you get that heaviness, you get that lethargy, not only in the muscles and the tissues, but in the organs, in the in the breath. Your breathing is is compromised when you're sitting for so long. So you need to get up. You need to get up as frequently as you can. So for those of you who work eight or nine hour jobs, you have to commit to getting up every 20 minutes. And it doesn't mean that you have to go and do something dramatic, but you need to change positions. Do one or two minutes of movement if that's all you can fit in and then sit again or get a standing work table. But that's a different set of um, things you need to work on because it certainly opens up your your joints and, and the fascia that covers your joints when you stand versus sitting. But you can stand in a, in a not great position as well. But you need to change positions. I think that's, and, and you've probably heard this so many times don't sit for too long. But how many of us really listen to that? Well, you have to, okay? You have to, to become buoyant. And if we really think, we know if we want this lightness in our spirit, if we want this sense of buoyancy in our life and our emotions and and in our physical being, it is, it's a requirement. You have to get up and move. So this is important for being, becoming more flexible in your, in the tissues in your body, um, more adaptable in the tissues in the body and everything that happens in the body, you, it reflects in your spirit. You will become more flexible and more adaptable in your spirit as well. So that would be the first sense of advice I would give. The second thing I would say is we need to have a little bit of stick to itness stick to itness. <laughs> that's not a word, but that's a lot of hyphenization. In other words, persistence. 
to actually kind of reclaim our balance, we have to be willing to be persistent in the on, along the pathway of getting more buoyant. Um, and that's like being persistent in getting up and moving. Persistent in investigating what makes us happy, what gives us joy, what is pleasurable. It's persistent in sticking to that. You know, I've had people who were in um, different lines of work. Work is such a good example because we do spend a lot of time doing it. And if your work is not ultimately balanced out, that it brings you joy. You know, you, you kind of take in the things that don't, that aren't that great. And then you take in the things that are really great and it's balanced out, but it's definitely in the positive and it's bringing you joy. If you aren't doing something like that, that you're spending a lot of hours and you have to be persistent in figuring out what would bring you joy. And of course, what would bring you financial freedom to, to do, to maybe leave the job that you're in and actually pursue what you would want to actually be doing that would be pleasurable and that would be purposeful. So there's a persistence in that. There's a persistence in getting yourself back in shape. So say you've had a time period where there was a decline that you weren't really working out that much. There is a real inertia that happens when you don't move as much as you should be. or And you have to kind of overcome that inertia this is like you're, you're being literally anchored down and that's when you don't feel buoyant. So you have to be persistent in being able to kind of overcome that initial inertia, which might take a while to start moving regularly in ways that make your body feel good and ultimately your spirit. So let me give you an example. I have many people who practiced yoga for a while and then you know, I won't see them for a while and then I'll see them on the street or somewhere and they'll they'll say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Lara, I, I really, I need to get back to yoga. I just have, and they kind of just start talking to me about their bucket list of things that have gotten in the way of doing yoga. And I'm just using yoga as an example. You can be doing running or hiking or anything else that's that kind of movement that brings you joy. But these are, in my world, yoga people primarily. And they're telling me all this. And what I, when I, when I hear it, what I really feel like they're communicating is they're communicating all these anchors that are pulling them away from doing the practice of yoga. And they need to kind of overcome those. And that's going to take some persistence. So I often will say, well, just come back to one class. Just make the commitment. Why don't you come next week? If that's indeed what they really want to do. You know, sometimes they might not just have liked yoga that much, but mostly these are people that had really been into it and then just something happened in their life, got busy, got away from it, and then they just weren't doing it. And so you you have to make the commitment to yourself and be persistent in um, getting back into the practice of it. And don't think that you have to go to an hour class or an hour class at your, you know, do at a home practice to be, you know, worthwhile. Like if you don't do, if you only do 15 minutes, that's great. In fact, probably starting off, you're going to have to do less because you want to in, um, get into this positive feedback loop in your brain that this is something that brings you joy. And if you're struggling after 20, 25 minutes, your brain is going to remember the latest thing. So like, you know, you want that, you want to end with this sense of, wow, 
that was amazing. And even if it was 15 minutes, that's better than nothing. You have to start and then start being persistent there. So number one is make sure you're changing positions and moving so that you are not getting heavy in your body, not getting um, less adaptable in your tissues and not getting your fascia dried out. And the second is being persistent in exploring both physically and emotionally what is making you feel content and joyful and light in your work and then in your life. So this third thing I would say in your life, how we can cultivate it more and why buoyancy matters in our life is a buoyant heart is essential in the world we live in. I mean, you have to have this sense of lightness in your heart, this sense of overcoming. So buoyancy is also when you have a massive body in the water, that mass is overcoming and dropping down into the water because there's enough buoyancy. There's enough things that help it float up. And so sometimes I look at like, um, if you ever read Gulliver's Travel, I always have this great vision of the big guy in Gulliver's Travel going to the aisle with the Lilliputians, which are these tiny little people. And he doesn't think anything um, big deal about him, but they're really super grumpy. They don't like that he's gotten there. And so um, he falls asleep and they've tied him down. So like one Lilliputian at a time has, has, has kind of tied him down. So collectively, all these tiny little people have weighed him down and he can't move. And so I always think of this kind of uh, this metaphorical Lilliputian string, like what are the things in your life that are are like that Lilliputian string that are like dragging you down and and anchoring you so that you don't feel freedom and, and you don't feel that buoyancy. So when I think about buoyancy in your your emotional life, you need to think about all the aspects. And this includes work, but it includes friendships and includes relationships and includes purposeful passion and and hobbies, all these things. um, What of those are weighing you down and what are bringing you joy? And big thing, what are playful? Because playfulness is in of itself buoyant. Because remember that like kind of um, original birth body that we all came into the world. If you look at babies, they are naturally, when, when given all the kind of basic elements, sleep and food, they're just naturally curious and interested and joyful. And they have a lot of that through play, through discovery. And then somewhere we got too serious in our development. And that seriousness often results in, in not enough play. And play is buoyant. So how are you being playful in your life? How are you nurturing yourself? These things will make you feel lighter when you nurture yourself with the foods that you eat, with the friends that you hang out with, with the um, ways that you're spending your time. Are you, um, we all know again, like you could spend too much time being on the internet and being out in nature is an immediate kind of ingredient in buoyancy. Nature, the air, the trees, the life that's outside when you get in nature is so buoyant versus if you think about it 
a electronic device is is kind of deadening in a way. Even though there's things through it that can make you feel good and me, and it can be fun. And I'm not saying give up all electronics, but we we all of us have to really notice how much we're spending um, time on something that is we're really not getting much of that buoyant energy back um, from the time we spend on our computers or on our phones. And all of this, again, requires the element of yoga that I emphasize the most, which is observation. Observing yourself, noticing the things that are going to make you feel more buoyant or less buoyant, and then being really honest about it. I, I think that it's, I was having a conversation with a woman the other day, and and we were just talking about how when you naturally steer away from people who are negative, you feel so much better, right? Because you're, it's almost like you're not taking on that energy. And that is a Lilliputian string, like pulls you down, whether or not you even want to, right? You're not willingly taking on their energy, but you, we all have energy and we give it out into the world. We, we have it in our bodies and we have it around us. This is all measurable. This is not woo-woo. And so that energy, um, that kind of force field around us influences not only us, but the people around us. So that would be another thing is, you know, when I talked about friends and family, like who are um, in your friends and family group are, are making you feel lighter and brighter and, and who are not. And you can decide how much time you want to spend with them. Ultimately, you really can. It's, it's your choice. So again, for being buoyant, I think the biggest also prerequisite is to be kind to yourself and and honor your essence and know that you are whole. And if some things have happened to make you feel heavy, you can get unloaded, right? It might take some time. It might take some effort. It will take time and effort. But know that when you feel heaviness, feel it and know that the the lightness will come, the lighter feeling will come. And then you have some tools to get you there. So another tool that I'll tell you that is, was really helpful for me, I went to a Lululemon, I was a Lululemon ambassador and I was chosen to be a Lululemon ambassador. I forgot actually what they're called, but they're it's like a special group of ambassadors that were chosen to go to a summit and Lululemon paid for all of it. It was really amazing. I mean, they paid for all of us to go to Vancouver. And then from there, we went into um, a Whistler, to Whistler. This is in um, BC, Canada. And then they had all these crazy, amazing speakers. So they have all these incredible ambassadors for, for yoga and for running. And at that time, there wasn't any other kind of ambassadors except for yoga and running. And they didn't have CrossFit people or anything like that at that point. And we all gathered and we, we could we had all these different sessions about business and about self-development. And one that I went to that stuck with me, and I, I've done this exercise, I just did it the other day with my daughter when she was feeling a little glum, is you, you, um, you recognize there's a line. And that line to me is almost like when you're kind of, you're balanced. And when you're above the line, you're buoyant. So the above the line things, you write down all the things that you feel above the line, you know, you feel happy and light and motivated, you know, that cheerfulness, 
you feel directed, you feel clear, um, generous, trustworthy, loving, um, compassionate. When you're below the line, there's feelings there as well. So there's feelings of not being the things that were above the line. So being jealous or angry, um, sad or depressed, heavy, doubtful, miserable, you know, any of these. And so, and, and with those, there's people and there's situations you can also apply this to, like situations where it's above the line or below the line and people that make you feel above the line or below the line. But ultimately you, you can rest in one of those two places. And the, the idea is to have tools, like when, identify where you are. So again, it's that if you feel heavy, feel it. And then what are the tools that can get above the line? So one of the tools they told us is make an above the line playlist. And it sounds kind of hokey, but it really works because the brain, which is something I, I'll talk about in almost in every podcast, because uh, it's such a big interest of mine. The brain is so persuadable. So if you have an, a, think about the times where you feel really depressed. What do you do? You want to watch a depressing movie. You put on depressing music. It kind of fuels this like downward spiral. Like you really want a good cry. You're not putting on happy music. You're not watching a happy movie. So similarly, if you want to get above the line, have above the line playlist. Make a playlist with such fun, joyful, pleasurable, buoyant music to get you there. And your brain is so persuadable. When you start to hear it, you will feel lighter. It's actually that easy. And then the more times you play it, there's a, there's a feedback loop, that memory of, oh yeah, when I play this, I'll feel better. Because some of our feelings, we like to sit in for a while. And there isn't anything necessarily wrong with that, but it doesn't always serve us. But if we know that we have the tools to actually get us back up and get us into that kind of above water, above the line feeling and get that feeling of buoyancy, why wouldn't we want to go there? Like, let's go there. So that's a really easy tool that I found. And I, and I was talking to my daughter about it and she has that, you know, for her, she's got the music playlist and then she goes out in our yoga room and she dances and, and, and it's almost like she just sheds all the Lilliputian strings, all the weight, all the metaphorical heaviness and is, it's a different person. So figure out a playlist that would make you feel um, buoyant again. So again, I am really looking forward to all your questions and comments about all these podcasts. And um, I look forward, you can email me any questions about this particular one. Please let me know if you liked it. But um, the take home here is regain your buoyancy physically, emotionally, spiritually, because the world needs it, you need it. We need to feel that balanced resilience and lightness in our spirits because that's where we came from. And we have the power to float or rise above any situation. The, the, the resiliency of the human spirit is amazing. I think it was Eckhart Tolle that said, um, there is no end uh, to being that no matter how deep we go, we can always go deeper, meaning we can go deeper into to that essence to, of who we are, that essence of the birth 
baby, you know, that, that birth body of, of being whole and being buoyant and having everything we need right inside of us. And as we practice yoga, as we practice movement, and as we practice kindness to ourselves and all beings, we will feel it and we'll live it. And so here is to being buoyant. Have an awesome and buoyant day. Thank you so much. <laughs>